0: Hey everybody! Uh, this morning I have uh, Carl Crawley with me. Um, Made by Hippo is his company, and um, uh, we've uh, we Carl, you and I talked at EECI back in October. I think we were on Parscale's boat. He was doing a giving a little boat tour of the lake that we were on, and uh, you and I started talking about business. And I've come to understand that you've been uh, making some changes to your business. Um, with respect to uh, developing streams of residual income and that sort of thing. I I wanted to talk with you about that as I'm interested in doing that with SoulSpace. And I think some other people are also interested in that topic too. Um, So I wonder how we can get started on that. What sorts of things have you changed about your business since we talked uh, in October?
1: Um, yeah, sure. Well, I mean, the, one of the the first things I changed, and I think um, the the conversation that we had um, on Brad's boat was um, the principle of um, fixed cost projects. Um, I mean, that was the, one of the first things that I changed because um, I think it's a it's a UK thing, or it's a, you know it's certainly a, a British thing um, that um, a project has a finite cost and. With the work that we do, and certainly the, you know the the work that you guys do at Soul Space, and, and the you know the add-on development and stuff like that, so much of that is. Um just unquantifiable it's just you know you you don't know physically how long something's going to take you can can have a good educated guess but um, you just don't know how long something's going to take until you start development so uh, one of the things that we first changed was um, moving away from fixed cost projects and moving towards um, hourly daily um, and weekly rates um, for uh, for projects that, that were ongoing. And that was one of the first kind of major shifts for the business for us.
0: What is a daily and a, a weekly? I mean, I know what the hourly thing is. That's what we do. But a daily and a weekly rate, um, what, how does that sh- take shape?
1: So um, it, it- what we generally do is I, I co- they, they all translate ultimately into hours. Um, so what I would generally do is I will um, – if it's a day rate, then it's basically the hourly rate multiplied usually by um, – si- between six and eight. Um, and that that constitutes a day. But what that allows us to do is um, – If I think something is going to take me, uh, you know, a little bit over a day, I'll do it on a day rate so that what we do then is it's in my interest to get it done within that day. And I've never been the kind of um, developer that just, um, you know shuts, you know, shuts the computer down at 5 p.m. and, and walks away and says, right, well, you know, it's now going to go into two days. Um, what we do is, is if the – as long as the client's um, happy to pay the day rate, right, I basically have a day um, to complete that work. And, you know, if I complete that work in four hours, then I get two hours of additional profit. But equally, if it takes me nine hours – you could argue that there is an, you know, an extra kind of two, three hours worth of unpaid work that I'm uh, that I'm doing. But the idea is, is that it's it's quantifiable within that time frame, um, and that just it, it helps it helps me to get a good grasp of, of where I where I am with projects and, and how I'm going with
0: projects. For the client, uh, there's a, a higher degree of predictability. Um, even if they have to acknowledge that, you know, if they buy three of your days, they know that they might be only uh, needing two and a half. Um, but the predictability of knowing what this thing is going to cost so that they can move on and budget for other stuff. That's often advantageous for clients I talk to. Have you found that to be the case?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I we always approach um, projects, even though I uh, we we bill now based on time incurred. I will give the client normally a, a number of choices. So, and and usually they have a there's an element of um, give or take between between each of the. Um, the time frames. So what we'll do is we'll either say, you know, let's, let's for example, say that um, a job will take – I think a job will take uh, 15 hours. Well, you could argue that that is, uh, you know, depending on a working day of being eight hours or a working day being six hours, um, you know, that could be between two and three, three days. So I'll either then go to the client and say, well, okay, you know, it's this many hours – and they can pay on an hourly rate, which then means that if it comes in at less hours, then um, they only pay the less amount of hours. But if it come, equally comes in at more, um, then it, um, you know, they, they then have to, to pay the additional hours. Or we cap it and we say, well, actually, yeah, those 15 hours will take three days. And then they pay three days, and that three day it, that gives me three days' worth of work, but they know that 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 work is going to go across three days, mm-hmm. so that then if it 's going to take over the three days, then we you know we do adjustments on that, and we we, we work on that, but they 're paying for a day rate um, and lots of our clients, lots of clients are different really, to be honest with you. Um, a lot of them prefer hourly because they get whilst they don 't get the freedom to have. The, um, the the idea of a fixed cost, they they do know that they're only then actually paying for the work incurred, and they're not paying for that kind of that that dead time really.
0: Do you have a preference uh, with this, uh, the choices that you're giving to clients? If the work that you're doing is of a very complex nature, for example, if you're building up some some custom software for a client, as opposed to just simply um, implementing, maybe designing and implementing a site that's less functionally uh, complicated. Um, do, do, you, do you have a preference of which uh, way you charge or which way you encourage the client to opt? Um,
1: I will normally, when I'm presenting a, um, a proposal to the client, I'll normally give them a cost based on my preferred denomination. So um, I'll normally give them a cost, and we usually give an upper and a lower rate so we usually, you know, if if we're going to do a project, we'll we'll usually say, you know, between X and Y days, and X, this is our day rate, so that they know they're paying between, you know, that that many days. If it's if it's particularly complex, um, then we usually talk in in days. Um, if it's something uh, relatively straightforward um, and it's not um, a, a large project, um, then I work based on hours. And then um, if it's, you know, a large build, then uh, we'll usually work on, on the basis of weeks. Weeks is very rare, to be honest. I mean, you know, it's very, it's very rare that a project goes on for weeks. And when mm-hmm. I say weeks, I'm, I, you know, I'm talking anything over, you know, 25, 30 days worth of work. Anything yeah. less than that is usually based on, on days.
0: The reason I asked the question the way I did is... I just wanted to know if anybody else is using a technique that we sometimes use at Soulspace, and that is um, I, t- just I can tell a story to, to make it make the point clear. Um, I, I have a client who we developed uh, an expression engine based website for them. We converted them over from another system that was a proprietary system. And um, now they want to do e-commerce. You know we're a couple of years into the site, now they're ready to start selling. Um, things on the site that they normally just sent to their distributor, uh, to to distributor websites to do fulfillment on. They want to do e-commerce now. And I don't think they're ready. As an organization, I don't think they are, I don't think they have the stamina to handle an e-commerce project. I don't think they have the, uh, they're just not quite ready um, as far as being an organization that can manage online software um, centered uh, projects. So, If we were to proceed with them, a technique that I use is I I like to put all the complexity and sort of pain and suffering in front of them and have them share in some of the ownership. And the way I do that is to charge them hourly. To say, here's your proposal. Here are some risk areas. These line items, these parts of the project, can really vary quite uh, um, widely. Um, You know, like the the uh, the the sales tax calculations, the um, the Uh, API calls to other systems to make some of the e-commerce functionality work. All of this stuff can really go off the rails. And it can go off the rails, especially if you and your staff um, start changing the scope and changing the requirements and specification in on the process. So I like to do an hourly to make them kind of own some of that pain um, so that when we're doing check-ins and saying where we are in the budget, uh, we can have an opportunity to tell them. You remember how you added these other three features that you you said were essential? The, the store had to have them until, uh, you know, before the thing could launch. Well, that's costing you an extra 20 hours um, to insulate them with doing a day rate or a week rate. I feel like they wouldn't own that and they wouldn't have a sense of um, you know participating in some of the difficulties of this kind of work. You ever try that, or you ever heard of that being done?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've, I've got a couple of um, – I've got two clients that, that have um, – that we kind of have that relationship with. Um, we, we bill them um, hourly. and But, but it's slightly a it's slightly little bit different in that we're on a, on a retainer with them. So they, they've committed to um, a number of hours a month. And um, that is a minimum that, that, that we do. And, and, and that gives us the ability to um, slightly reduce our rates in that we get that, um, that constant residual income. But I have never yet built um, that amount i 've always billed more, and I always itemize the bill anyway and and I use a an app on on the um, macbook to to record my time on the projects um, because you know that certainly that particular client will quite often um, you know we have a, a like a Monday morning um, skype call, and you know, they usually start the conversation with we 've been thinking about yeah. And then they just come up with something. And, I, and yeah. you know, nine times out of ten, yes, great idea. I think it's fantastic. Um, can I do it? Yes, I can. And then we sit down and we go through it and we get the work done and we put it live. And then at the end of that month, they are able then, and like you say, to share in that pain of saying, well, you know that fantastic idea you had at the weekend – it cost you nineteen hours worth of of my time yeah. to do it yeah. and they you know there are things that we've done and and you know partnerships um you know we've we've worked on a a project with with them and a third party company where we had to write um an API to connect the two together and you know we we spent over 40, 50 hours writing um, the API endpoint to connect to this third-party system, because it represented a huge thing for them. And fundamentally, when it was finished, it didn't live up to anything. It was going to live up to the the statistics and the figures just didn't add up. And and they were kind of yeah, you know that has been a complete waste of time, money, and effort. So yes, I, I I totally understand what what you're saying
0: there. Uh, See, so you're on retainer with this client. How, how many clients are you on retainer with? Um, I or have like what percentage, maybe. But percentage is better. Really, what I want to know.
1: Yeah, I would say um, so. In terms of of, of retainers for actual um, development work, um, I'm probably. I think our monthly revenue is probably about. I would say about a quarter. I'd say say maybe about twenty five percent of our mm. monthly revenue is derived from retainers, and that's that's you know actual development work that um, we get contracted um, out for. Um, and then on top of that, I would say we've got another maybe another fifteen twenty percent of of the rest is based on um, our maintenance and support contracts. That we have in place, and that's so that 's something that i 'm really pushing since since the start of my next business year, which was was March just gone, so this financial year now has, has been something that i 've been really you know pushing forward on
0: so what do those look like
1: um, they're essentially um, I wrapped them up in in with the hosting um, i I came it, the, the reason I started was actually from an EEUK conference, um, not this year, a the, the, the couple of years ago, where um, everyone had kind of spoken to me and, and, and we'd, we'd had discussions about um, EE hosting, but EE hosting based in the UK – And, um, you know, everyone loves um, what Engine Hosting do. um, But, you know, for for UK-specific sites, having um, servers in the States and, and, you know, around Europe and stuff didn't work for a lot of them. So what I started doing was primarily for my own sites. But, um, you know, I do have a couple of uh, clients that I've not built their site. I just maintain and host. It's um, Yeah, it's a fixed cost monthly fee, and we host the website, uh, the EE website. We uh, maintain the EE code base, and we maintain the add-on code base. So, um, you know, when EE uh, releases an update, we do an update. When add-ons are updated, we update the add-ons, um, and, and we, we deal with all that. There are you know as as with any maintenance contract there are there is small print um but f- fundamentally that's what it is so we we host and maintain the ee um and add-on uh code base for for sites
0: so if the site goes, goes down, you, you're the 911 caller. I mean, you're yeah. the emergency call.
1: Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, for, for our own sites, it, it's great for us because, um, you know, the, the, the whole kind of tying up the package of a maintenance and support contract means that um, the client um, knows that the site's going always, you know, it's actively maintained. We have our own uh, dedicated servers, um, and we host on our own dedicated servers. Um, I physically have, you know, uh, you know, root access to it. I've, I've set it up and, and configured it all. it, it is and, and we now, I think as of about six weeks ago, it now is exclusively only running Expression Engine sites. I think six weeks ago, we just got rid of our last Magento site. Um, so that... That is now, it's now totally running um, expression engine systems. And, and it just, yeah, it gives us that kind of peace of mind. And, and then for clients that we haven't built the sites for, um, we maintain the code base so that at some point in the future, if, if that developer or that agency um, gets asked to do some more work for that client, he doesn't have to sit down and figure out, right? You know, we got three days to go from EE 2.3 to 2.6, and and you know, deal with an upgrade path because we're doing it incrementally as they as they release, and you know, the the add-ons are, are constantly kept updated. And I know there's there's a, a bit of a difference of opinion in the community with this because I've had a conversation with a few people on Twitter about this and. Um, you know some people say it's not necessary um others say that it is necessary you know it it depends it depends on the business to be honest with you but you know the majority of our clients have been uh, very uh, appreciative of it because it means that you know, their, their platform and system uh, are, are are maintained. And also we offer – we don't offer guarantees, but one of the things we do offer is um, as part of our sales um, and marketing material, you know, we, we generally say that the shelf life of, a, of an average website is about three years um, before – serious investment needs putting into, you know, as technology moves forward and, and, and things need updating. Well, you know, we've kind of, from experience, from my experience, um, we've said that, you know, with a, an active maintenance contracting, you probably get another 18 months worth of life out of a website before any further developments. So as a, you know, total cost of ownership, uh, the return on investment is there for them to... Um, to, to do it, and and because it's all under one roof, it, they they seem to get
0: that peace of mind. Well, um, I hope it's not rude for me to ask, but what are the margins on that side of your business? Um, th- some of them
1: are better than others, depending on the complexity of the sites. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have scaling charges depending on what the sites do. You know, a, a, a brochureware website is is less than um, an e-commerce implementation, for example, but. Um, you know generally um I would say they're you know they're not they're not too bad i mean the the costs um range f- generally from about one hundred and seventy five dollars a month up to about three three fifty dollars a month um and that's 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 about average and we usually spend i mean ignoring any major issues we'll usually spend about uh I'd maybe say about half a day to a day when an EE update rolls out and maybe a morning, a month on um, the add-ons, depending on how many add-ons are there.
0: So uh, DevDemon's updater add-on is probably useful for you to use. you dev take advantage of <laughs> absolutely dev demon 's update add on
1: is one of the best
0: <laughs> i mean that 's kind of the thing that 's going to turn you turn your profit margin around on that part right yeah i mean that 's totally. really a really helpful tool yeah uh, totally. for that purpose um, it,
1: it made it completely it, it made it a more profitable um, aspect of the business you know it, previously we were doing it all manually, and a lot of the stuff you know i, I kind of um, i 've done a lot of EEUK and ECI talks um, about you know kind of bootstrapping and, and stuff like this. So a lot of what we did was was bootstrapped in various script files. So we did a lot of the upgrades. We we could do them all essentially by just you know dropping things into folders and you know we'd have a bash script that would do um, you know necessarily kind of you know moving files and changing permissions etc. But um, yeah, Dev Demons updater just made it a whole lot easier
0: when you move your business into this space or, or, or um, take part of your business into this realm of um, where you're going to do the same uh, set of tasks over and over again for a number of different clients um, and those are things that can be automated I think you're I think you're headed into really good territory especially if you're the culture of your business is one where you're always improving on your own efficiency and um, have you found that to be – are you just seeing opportunities all over the place as you continue to develop this maintenance model?
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, the 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 whole kind of uh, concept of having, you know, maintenance and, and support and stuff is, is something that I've really been um, spending a lot of time uh, looking at because, you know, I, I do think there is an untapped market out there for um Agencies or or people to be able to kind of use this because a lot of, of um, developers just kind of you know launch a website, put it onto a hosting provider, then hand it over to a client, and then and then and then forget about it um, and move on to the next project. And and what we've seen um, actually from our own internal stuff, um, I mean we have a we have an incentive with some of our clients that. Um, uh, certainly, some of the clients on a higher tier maintenance contract is we offer them um, discounts on you know for future um, development and um, you know more work on their website, and and actually that w- has we found that um, those clients are more likely to come back to us and get work done because they see the value in that discount. Mm-hmm. So you know rather than than paying for, you know, 100 hours to do work. They're getting 100 hours work for, you know, 80, 85 hours of cost. So um, they kind of, they're not seeing the main, they, whilst the, 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 the maintenance side of it gives them that peace of mind, um, you know, they, it's also a, a good incentive for them then to come back and, and get us to do more work and, and you know, advise on, on other stuff.
0: I was going to ask you on these maintenance contracts where you're providing the, the hosting and the maintenance package for other agencies and other uh, vendors, how, how often are you inheriting their clients uh, after some period of time with, where that <laughs> client comes to you and says, you know, we want to build out a new part of the site. and I don't know. You guys are the hosting and maintenance partner. And we're just too lazy to go and talk to the other vendor we used. We're just going to use you. Is that cool? What, um, how often does that happen?
1: Um, we've had... We've had one client that did contact us direct and asked us to do work on the site. And um, to be honest with you, we're, we're pretty – I, I, you know, we don't believe in doing in our own doorstep. You know, at the end of the day, the client is the agency not the end user of the site so if if the end user of the site or, or the client you know the, the site owner comes to us and, and we have an active agreement in with another agency then we will always redirect them back to the agency um we will you know sometimes offer the agencies a um uh, a discount a discounted rate for us to do the work you know if they're particularly busy or they don't want to deal with it and and you know we we We'll take the work on, on their behalf, and, um, but we bill them, they bill the client, we won't bill the client direct. Um, until a point in which an agency will come to us and say, "Well, you know, we don't want to be involved in this client anymore. Um, we're going to hand them over to you. You're going to build them for hosting and maintenance and any future work that you do. Um, you deal with them direct." And we've had a couple of them as well. So, so you
0: bill, So you're building the agencies who have the client. You're not building the cl- building the client directly, then. No, we're building the agencies. Program. Oh, yeah. okay, all right, all right, that makes sense then.
1: Yeah, we're building the agencies. I mean, you know, we do have some. A couple of our clients do say. We'll just build the client direct, and and we do that. But as far as we're concerned, the even though the end, you, you know, the the the, the, aid, the contract is with the client. The agency are our client so we wouldn't want to, uh, you know, endanger any subsequent maintenance contracts on
0: their next client works by by stealing a client from them. So, the, so a site goes down on a Sunday, and the client notices first. Who gets the call? The agency or you or someone who works for you? Depending on the uh,
1: contract. Um, On a a basic contract level, um, we get notification anyway because we'll have have an alert notification that the server's gone down um, or a site has gone down. Um, Typically, they will have a... for, for the lower-end projects, they would contact the agency first because the agency would have to just make sure that it is a hosting-related issue and it's not the client trying to upload a 15-megabyte image into mm-hmm. uh, you know, into a, a file field and they've just you know, killed the, 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 the instance of PHP and it's run out of memory. Um, so... You know that that side of it is a, a site issue rather than a um, rather than a hosting and, and, and platform issue, so they would do that, and then um, it would then get escalated to us and um, either I would take the call or um, Rob would take the call um, and we would then deal with it um, and we'd fix it and uh, and, we, and we'd go from there then.
0: So all right so you um, you're doing client work you're doing these uh, maintenance agreements and you're, you sell add-ons for expression engine um, with respect to residual or recurring revenue, what are the things that are you doing?
1: Um, as it is at the moment, the, 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 the main things are, are hosting and maintenance contracts and add-ons. Um, I entered the add-on market quite late. So I, I'm under no illusions that I'm going to be able to retire on license sales. Uh, that's that that's never going to happen.
0: No, uh, no one is. No one. I, got, no, I, got, no I was absolutely. the first in, and I'm not retiring any, any, on anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, so so that's that's not going to happen. Um, so predominantly, our residuals is is our hosting and maintenance and um, our, our retainers. Um, we've got retainers, you know, varying retainers. We've got retainers with um, end clients who, you know, have a website and they they just pay, you know, for X number of hours a month and um, get us to do the work. We've also got, you know, retainers with agencies whereby they pay for, you know, X number of hours and they basically just send us an email or they'll post something into our base camp and it could be on any one of, you know a hundred different projects that they've got ongoing it's just we we become a a hands-on resource yeah. um and and the you know the benefit for us is just that that commitment to a minimum number of hours a month
0: um so i had brad parscale on and probably the second podcast i did i had him and i was discussing these very same topics with him because i know that he um um, Had you and I talked in in Texas uh, before or after his presentation at E C It was um, after his presentation. Yes, you remember yeah. what I'm talking about. And yes. He, he shaped his company, so he's adopted a maxim of, you know, this, this maxim of not everyone is my client. Well, he's really taken that to a point where he's found a really uh, nice, profitable, sustainable space, uh, adopting that maxim plus a few others. Um, one thing he does is he... Um, I asked him, so I started to talk retainer with him, just assuming that he had all his clients on retainer. And he he, um, he was really turned off by the idea; it was very much opposed to uh, putting people on retainer. Instead, what he says he does is he um, the, the the different services that his team offers in an ongoing fashion. He calls that stuff the "crack" that the client needs, largely marketing type services to keep the site relevant and keep it. Uh, up in front of people, so that there's a lot of traffic and a lot of leads coming in. Um, so do you do you find any clients uh, shying away from uh, retainer arrangements when you propose those? Uh, do you find that people are uncomfortable about that? Um, what are your thoughts on that part? Um,
1: I, I haven't had any of the client, any of my clients um, shy away from it yet. Um, not from not from sites that I've built, um, and, and you, you could call that luck. You could call that my sales technique. You know, I, I you know, it, it could be a number of different things. But we always, um, I well, I certainly always. You know, when, when I'm presenting a uh, a package and a proposal to the client, that is part of it. Um, you know, we've had some clients query it. Um, you know, very much. You know, the I think the the most common thing is, you know, why would I pay you this much money when I can get some space with one-on-one One or GoDaddy for $10 a month? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, once I justify it and I explain why we do this and, and why we have it and, and the difference between buying your, you know, your $10 a month and, and, and what we offer. Um, I would say that, that all my, all my clients have, have gone for it. Um, We've had some clients that have come to us that have been that we that are sites we haven't built, and they've come to us and said, "Well, we want to, you know, we want to host and we want you to host and maintain the website for us, um, and you know, they want to give me the, the the FTP details to log into their current site and download it all, and and we start talking costs, and a couple of them have said that, you know, yeah, then they're, they're just not. Anticipating paying that kind of money, and you know they they were thinking you know thirty fifty dollars a month you know maximum, and and once so you know some of those clients and certainly some of those kind of lower end clients once they get an idea of of you know being able to put into Google hosting and getting lots of ads for you know ten dollars a month here and five dollars a month there you know the idea of trying to sell them something for you know one two three hundred dollars a month is is uh, an uphill. Battle, yeah. um, and 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 you know it's not suited for every client. That's it's right. Certain, I was going to say those aren't your client. If they're going no, for super absolutely. cheap they're
0: not, they're not appropriate for you.
1: No, absolutely. And that, and and that's it. You know, th- those client kind of clients. You know, I mean, we have clients that have hosting with us, and they don't have maintenance contracts, um, or rather, they they did have just hosting contracts, and you know they've broken something, or they've come back to us, and you know in you know, eight, nine months time and they want some work done on the site. And, you know, to, to accomplish that work, we have to update and, and make sure all the add-ons are running at the latest version and nothing's been updated for eight, nine months. And you've just added, you know, another, you know, 20 hours worth of, of work to, to test or make sure all the, ad- the latest versions of the add-ons work with the implementation and no, you know, tag changes have been, been put in place and, you know, various things like that. And, and they've eventually then come around and said, well, yeah, okay, let's go on, the ma- you know, the lowest maintenance package because then it gives them um, – they, they, they get that, you know, confidence then.
0: Um, the, the notion of sort of an ongoing retainer and a maintenance agreement and a residual income there 's something that we 're trying to develop um, over at soul space, and you know for so many years we have been uh, we've been trying to acquire clients uh, who need more and more complex things done just because it 's so engaging and fun for us <clears throat> but we we turn people away if they you know don't have a a sufficient budget to uh, to occupy us for you know a period of time and and I, I hate doing that I would rather. Um, I'd rather have an additional sort of wing of the company uh, who can do um, more simple, uh, uh, more straight-ahead kind of web implementation, web development work. Yeah. Um, especially if some of that stuff can be set up to scale, so that you, you, you know, if you if you take away some of the parts of a, a website project that are the real time sucks, like the design part, there's there are ways to punt that and get someone a decent design without having to go through a bunch of cycles. Uh, you know, doing a custom design. I think there's a lot of opportunity there. So, so part of developing this program, um, I talked to one of the people on the team, and I said, all right, I want to build out the the section of the SoulSpace.com site to to, to market this new thing, uh, where we'll do sort of a an inexpensive entry level uh, website for people, and have this ongoing relationship for which we provide additional services over time. So we started it, started the process of creating this new section, this new marketing section of the site. This person was walking me through a questionnaire that they usually put in front of their other clients. And it was going really well. You know, I'm, I'm juggling a lot of different things, and I'm answering uh, this person's questions about this project they're working on for me. And then we get to the point where she says, okay, so I'm ready for your marketing copy. Uh, send it over when it's done, and uh, I'll start the design work. And, and I found that I was completely frozen. I, I mean, I was, I was totally stuck in the mud. We are making such great progress because this vendor was guiding me along, um, just having me answer questions, kind of interviewing me, leading me. And all of a sudden, uh, she puts it back on me and says, I need all this marketing copy developed. And, and I'm like, well, I mean, I can write, and I will, but I don't want to. I'm, I want to do all these other things with my business. I'm writing code. I'm serving clients. I'm answering the phone. I want someone else to write the marketing copy. So that was sort of an epiphany moment for me where I realized that a lot of the clients I've dealt with in the past, they've also felt frozen by the, the question we ask them when we say, give us your content. I mean, we're yep. building a content management system. you got to fill it with content. It's not my job to do that. But it, we've actually lost clients because we, we got to that stage and said, all right, it's all you now. Um, so it, it made me realize that a residual income that I could start to develop would be the ability to develop content, which I think is something that Brad has done and had done for a few years now. Um, have you given any thought to that? Have you given any thought to the fact that clients need have an ongoing need to have content written for them that's relevant, that touches the social networks, that keeps a blog current, but they don't have time to do it or the inclination to do that? Have you found that to be the case? Yeah, absolutely. And
1: and you know the, the model that... Um brad has got is is i think is is a really really good one um the way that he's he's encompassed that is is has been really good um you know what what you have to remember for us as well is we are hippo as a as a as an agency as a company as me and and the the, the two guys is um we're we're tech only so we only do um, you know, PHP, CodeIgniter, jQuery and and um, Rob does does the HTML side of it. So we don't get involved in uh, you know directly involved in in the design, in SEO, in uh, content and, and, and such like that. But what we do have and that's maybe because of the way that I structured Hippo right back at the beginning as a as an outsource agency primarily is that um, I have A lot of agencies that are on our books as um, preferred partners. So, you know, I I have um, a design, you know, print designers that have done um, all of they, they did all of my branding and, you know, for those that were at the at ECI, you know, a lot of people commented. You know, my business cards, my Moleskin notebooks, the, the branding on my slides and stuff. You know, they do all of that, and that's what they focus in. And then I've got an SEO guy um, and a, a search engine marketing guy. Um, I've got a guy that writes copy and will do um, editing and, and blog writing. But where I differ over um, Brad is that. I don't have the time or the inclination to want to manage all of these things. So what I've done is I simply have negotiated favorable rates with all of these people and I pass the work their way. Mm-hmm. And and that means that, you know, there is a there's a kickback for me in, in doing that. But fundamentally, um, I don't have to get involved in it. And, the, you know, the the. The client is still getting um, the, the, the best value that they can. And, and you know, I, I, I main t- try and maintain that level of, of um, responsiveness for my clients to be able to say, right, okay, if you don't have content, I'll get somebody to write you some content. Speak to this guy. He'll deal with it. This is his rate. If you need... Exposure in Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. This is a guy that does search and uh, that does uh, social media, and he can write a strategy for you, and he can even even implement that strategy for you if you want him to. So, um, you know what Brad's done. I think, I think the, you know, kind of taking from from the, the conversations that. Brad and I had and and his talk as well in Texas. He's fortunate enough that he's been able to put the uh, the infrastructure and the financial backing into setting this business in into setting the business up in that way that means he can own all of the aspects of it. And and you know that that's, that's you know a great thing. And, and you know if 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 I could if I could do the same, would I do it? Probably not. Purely because uh, my passion and what I do is is technology is, is is programming development. I don't want to have to deal with um, you know the, the the other sides of it. And you know I, I got into that. Um, I, I I did something similar before I started Hippo. I had another company which was. Um, uh, an internet service provider, and we did everything you know we did um, email, we did web hosting, we did DNS, we did um, corporate networks, we did outdoor wireless, we also did web design and web development, and I was just always pulled in different directions, and you know I, I was finding that I was having to advise clients on things that I only knew about through reading or research, not because I was an authority on it, and, and it didn't sit right with me you know, that, that didn't feel right that right. I, I would be doing that, because at the end of the day they're trusting me and they're giving me money on the value of my advice and if I'm only you know, giving them advice based on some Google posts that I've searched I don't think they're getting value for money, so I'd prefer not to do it um, which is why I kind of, when I set up Hippo, I wanted to focus on a single aspect of the whole relationship and just have partnerships uh, with everyone else to, to, to do the rest.
0: Well, <clears throat> the implication of what you're saying is, um, you know, I'm going to test a couple of assumptions here. The implication is that you, um, you have a specific idea of how large you want the company to be or, or for that matter, not be. It sounds like you want to have a a connection with um, virtually all of the work that your company does, whether it's done by you or someone, uh, one of your employees or contractors. Um, I mean, there could be another version of Carl out there that says, oh, I want to be 50 people large, and that means that we're going to provide a lot of services that I don't understand. Yeah. Um, so, is that a conscious choice? Is that something that I mean? You said you did it before, and it didn't feel right. You've you've come yep. back to something that feels right. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. That's 100 percent correct. I, I I'm
1: I'm foremost a programmer, developer. I like nothing more than sitting at a computer and and coding and developing and coming up with ideas. You know, one of the things I I, I spoke about when we were when I was on the I was talking to Leah on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. You know, my whiteboard has got maybe you know twenty, thirty, maybe if not more. You know, add-on ideas of of add-ons and concepts, and and that's what I love doing. I love coming up with with that kind of stuff because I know what I'm doing. I know how to to do that, and I know how to get the best of it. Um, but I can't I can't do the the other side of it, and, and that for me is it gives me a problem you know i I need to do what I do, and i I, I need to retain not retain the control, but I want to be involved in that aspect of the business mm-hmm. um, yeah so that's
0: that 's where I'm, what I'm doing. i 'm <clears> doing <throat> i found over the years that even though uh, you know, I have a team of contractors who I love uh, working uh, with me and have for a long time, that at regular intervals, uh, someone will get sick or they'll have an accident or they'll have a family uh, health crisis or some, some sort of issue that pulls them away from their work. And if I can't find someone else, I have to get in there and finish the client job. And because our work is of a specific type, um, I can get in the, in there and do most most anything. If we branched out and started doing a bunch of marketing writing and a bunch of uh, um, you know social networking type of outreach and that kind of work, I, just like you were saying earlier, I don't, have any, I don't have any expertise there. I don't know if I could actually execute that if if I was the person who was uh, filling in for you know for someone who was sick or out or whatever. So that makes me a little bit nervous, but. Yeah, at, at exactly. a certain point you've got to let go. I mean, you're running a business, at a certain point if you decide that you want to become a large company or larger than, you know, 3 or 4 times as big as you are, you have to let go of that sort of stuff and um and and move on to the next stage. Um so it's a conscious choice that you want to remain at the size that you are, um and your your passion is to, you know, develop and write software as opposed to someone like Brad whose passion is to Conceive of new ways to bring in revenue for the company. That's uh, that's just the thing that he enjoys doing. Um, whether he actually spends all that money or not, I mean, I, you know, he probably doesn't care. He just likes um, likes the game of bringing in more you know, revenue streams. Yeah. So is that that's fair to characterize you that way then?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got no aversions to to growing the company, and you know, the the team as it is now is is smaller than it than it's. It was at at its peak. Um, I you know I made the mistake very early on to um, take on you know a couple of employees and some contractors, and I grew the team quite quite substantially um, very quickly and and to my to my detriment. Um, and I, I lost touch of of what I was doing. So you know whilst I I don't have an issue with um, expanding the business and 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 taking on um, more developers. Uh, as as we grow and as the workload um, increases, it it will be only within that section of the business. You know, it, it will we will only ever focus on on the technology. Um, if I I see a way of, of generating revenue in another area, then I would probably just partner and co-own a different company, you know, somewhere else to be able to um, to do that.
0: So is it just a fantasy on my part that I want to um, – that I have this idea that I can develop some other revenue streams that can fund uh, the, the product development part of the company so that we, you know, we have some recurring revenue that's coming in and that frees some of the software development team up to develop new products that will ultimately launch? Is that – I mean, I'm starting to think that that's just fantasy, that it never actually turns out to be that way. It's like asking for free money. It's not really going to happen do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, it seems like someone like you would have that same idea. Um,
1: there are always ways in which you can, you know, I, I, I'm, I, I do believe in, you know, in diversifying to, to some extent and, and you know, Increasing this this residual income and and you know I've got and I've, I've had a conversation with with a couple of people whereby um, you know we're looking at uh, writing software um, as you know a, a web app or as a as a deliverable product um, and and launching it and having it um, you know creating creating income that way um, but my involvement and the reason I haven't done it yet is because. Um, I don't have the time um, or the inclination to get involved in, you know, the design, the marketing, the, the 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 copy, the content. I just have an idea of a product. Technically, I know how to build that product. Um, it's the other things around it, and I, you know, I'm not naive enough to to think that I could just, you know, put some code on, on in a page and just. Launch it and, and make lots of money from it. Um, so I don't think I don't think any you know any ideas are are kind of pipe dreams really. You know I think that they all they're all valid um, to an extent. What you have to do and I, you know what I'm doing is um, you just have to s- decide what part of that project or that product you want to own. And and focus on that that individually, um, and I think that that's what what I'm doing, and, and that's why, you know, I, I've not you know spent huge amounts of time uh, you know developing um, hundreds of different add-ons and, and and stuff like that. You know, maybe when when the residual income increases, and I can I can get to closer to you know sixty seventy percent of my um, my monthly residuals, once that comes in from. Um, once that, that, I, I've got that level, then I can afford a little bit more time to then develop um, you know, some of these web apps and, and, and infrastructure systems that I, you know, I, I want to build. Um, but until that happens, you know, I just have to kind of you know, take it slowly, really.
0: Well, one of the other things that we worry about when we talk about uh, internally in my team developing some sort of a, um, you know entry-level kind of starter package um, geared toward a, a you know a residual income on so much the sites that are so much simpler basically adopting Brad's model. One thing we worry about is at the very same time that we're having this conversation internally about doing it, we're dealing with. It just so happened that we're dealing with a client who was um, kind of you know really out there on the fringe as far as um, their sanity. Really, we had someone who was really difficult to deal with, and it happens maybe you know once a year that we encounter someone and we have to walk away from that relationship. If we do something like this, where the, the 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 doorway is more wide open to let lots of different types of people come in, and we do a kind of a volume play, that's one of my concerns: is that we we lose the ability to filter out the clients that are just not really um, not fun for us and not enjoyable to deal with, and that sort of a thing. Um, as you shape your business, do you do anything uh, with respect to filtering and choosing, picking and choosing the clients you work with? I mean, you're mainly serving agencies, but uh, you know. What um, you know? What um, influence do you have or, or exercise on your client choice? Um, yeah,
1: I mean, the, like you said, the majority of the work that we do are, are agencies. So um, you know, we will will generally take on to, take on the agency and, and their associated clients. Um, I I wouldn't say I'm picky in in what I take as as clients. Um, but uh, what I do have is—is is I just kind of have that I, I've learned now over the years of of dealing with difficult clients is—is is you just get a gut feeling, and and I generally will go on that gut feeling, and um, you know, a couple of the times I've I've you know spoken to um, you know one of the tricks that we used to do in or. or um, one of the sales guys used to do in my last um, company was that if the client was um, going to be a difficult client or, or you, you, know, you anticipate they were going to be a very difficult client, is that um, the, the cost factor – would would increase, so he'd put a you know a, a small kind of multiplier in that in that cost. And, when you're, and that and that would either dissuade them on coming with you because it became cost prohibitive, or if they did come with you, then you put a little bit of padding in the cost to be able to deal with their annoyances. Um, so so you know not saying that I do that now um but that was certainly one technique that that used to be um employed um, I've definitely
0: considered that but I've also dropped that idea I mean I've, I think I've tried it a couple of times and I found you know toward the end of the deal or when we're right mired right in the middle of dealing with someone who's really challenging <clears throat> and re- and things are happening in the project that really uh, set them off n- no amount of money is worth it um, especially when i 'm sitting there thinking, you know I chose this client, but I could have chose a different client and spent this last three months with someone who 's really fun um, and it just never felt like I never felt like I was being paid for the for the time um, those this three months of my life are lost and they 're gone you know yep. so it never felt right never worked no absolutely
1: i i 've had projects like that i 've just in fact i 've just finished a project that um was build out at 150 hours of development. And I think I've spent about 250 hours of development, but it's taken nearly two and a half years to finish the project Mm. because um, the client has, um, you know, changed a part of the scope and we've discussed the consequences of that scope change and then they've had to go and have board meetings and discussions with their, you know, user groups and their focus groups and and then, you know, the next you know, four months has gone by and they come back and they say, well, yeah, actually we've decided we're not going to do that now. But what we do wanna do is this. It's like, right, okay, so we discussed the consequences of that scope change and and off it goes again. And and it was that I wish now i 'd not taken the project on um, you know it was it was a great project at the time and and, and actually the the work involved was pretty good pretty, it was exciting right up until the end. but it was the fact that it should have been done you know over two years ago, and it should have been finished, built out the door, and launched yes. and and if i 'd have known then that that was going to be such a problem, then uh, I I would have either have charged more or um, or not taken the project on to begin with.
0: A situation like that is exactly when I want a retainer. Um, I like retainers for a lot of the different reasons, and we have very few. But that's an example of when I really, really want a retainer uh, with a client. The time when um, you have projected that the project will uh, take a certain amount of time, and because of organizational delays on their side, it takes three or four times as long and it's crashing into all these other timelines with other clients and uh, you don't have anything to show for yourself on your portfolio with all the time that you've spent yet Um, and they do a thing, I don't know if this client does this, but they do a thing where um, okay we want to change uh, the scope and we want to make this thing be pink instead of purple. Um, How much will it cost? It will cost 500 extra dollars. Okay we'll have to talk to the board and get buy-in and approval you know a month or two later they come back and they're they're hot and ready to go. It's got to be done by this weekend. It's got to be finished. Hurry, hurry, hurry. So they disappeared for a while and they came back and now they're just uh, you know beside themselves with um, urgency that it has to be finished. I am with those people on retainer. Um, yeah. And so many of them are not. So many of those types of people are, are not. Uh, and it really crashes the business uh, when we have to drop something to satisfy someone who's going to be the squeaky wheel and be really loud um, and urgent about what they need. Do you have any other way to mitigate the problem other than a retainer when you in a situation like that?
1: No, that's what that that is one of the issues that we have, especially when you're dealing with um, with uh, the agencies whereby they have multiple projects simultaneously running. Um, you know, we'll we'll get some requirements and. Um, we'll start work on those requirements and you know that those requirements may take you know 10 hours and then you know five hours into that project we then get another requirement on a different project and that takes 10-15 hours as well but they all want it done within the same time frame yeah and 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 you know something has to give and and I've now, you know, I, I've had to have conversations and, and actually, Mike's, it's actually been led from my clients So the agencies involved have, have had to say, look, you know, you, you need to tell us if you can't fulfill, mul- you know, multiple simultaneous projects because of scheduling. Because, you know, uh, you know there's no point and me and the guys just sitting around waiting because, you know, that client is only paying for 10 hours a month. So that's, oh, you know, I, I still have to fill the rest of the time up. And so, so I allow for 10 hours. So, you know, all my other scheduling around it is based on having those 10 hours available. And, you know, if you then get two projects coming from the same client to the same deadline, which equates to more than that time, um, you've kind of got that, that juggling act to figure out, you know what takes precedence, what to, you know what has um, importance, and and you know, only the agencies can deal with that. You know, so um, you know I had a in in one of the last um, jobs I had. You know the the idea of scheduling was um, completely alien to them. You know, um, we we were dealing with um, I was dealing with quite large um, corporate sponsorship. Um, projects um, centered around kind of m- the marine and, and sailing and stuff. And one of the things that we used to do at the beginning of every project, um, you know, bear in mind the, the, these projects used to, um, you know, the whole cost of the projects used to be upwards of kind of two, five million pounds. Um, for, you know, um, large, you know, ocean-going yachts to be sailed around the world single-handedly all branded up with, you know, corporate sponsorship and there was websites and there were, you know, tracking beacons and everything else. And, you know, we'd set up this scheduling whereby, you know, the, the branding had X many um, days and, and the web design had, a, you know, X many days and then the website had, you know, X many days. And every single time... We would end up having to try and do four weeks' work in a week and a half. Yeah, because the the branding guys weren't happy with the finish of the sail design, so that uh, went back and had another week to to redo that. And and this is you know these were these are are projects whereby you know they leave port on a set day to sail around the world nonstop. You can't move the deadline of the website <laughs> going live because that's when they're leaving. And if the website is not there when they leave, it, you know, it's kind of pointless. So um, it, was, it was one of the most difficult things um, is, is this idea of scheduling. Um, and, the, and, and one of the other issues I have, I don't know if, don't know if you have as well, is... Uh, we have a couple of clients, and, and retainers is definitely the way forward for it, who like to micromanage. Mm. So yeah. they pay for X amount of hours um, of work, and they will set you a task, but then specifically want to tell you how it should look and how, where it should go, what font it should use. What, you know, they, they don't afford us any of the professionalism that we've earned over the years to be able to say, well, actually, we think it's better this way. And and what you could do, you know, certainly what we can do in a couple of hours will generally take twice as long because the client will be, you know, move it to the left a bit, increase the spacing, change the font, increase the font, change the color, move the logo to the right, and they micromanage the whole process. And that is is fundamentally where uh, retainers really, really come into their own because if you don't have that, um, you know, what you bill them on, on two hours work ends up taking five hours, and you're out of pocket by three hours.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly.
1: It's a difficult one.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, you know, in some sense, some of these are good problems to have. Uh, they, they're better than being broke. But then then again, um, you know, whenever I start thinking that thought, I, I try to remember that there's just so much work out there to be done. There's, we're talking about the internet. There's so much real estate to be developed, and so many clients to be served that um, to, to filter out the bad ones is just really a good good thing to do if you can swing it. Um, we try to as frequently as we can. Um, but Carl, uh, thanks for talking to me today. I really appreciate you taking time. I've been wanting to visit with you um, and hear about how you've uh, you know, been shaping your business and making good decisions about uh, income and what you're passionate about and staying focused on what keeps you interested. Um, yeah, no Thank you for the time, and uh, I look forward to seeing you. Are you going to be in ECI again? Yeah, I'm speaking. I'm, oh, excellent.
1: I'm, I'm speaking on two subjects. So, what are you um, going to be talking about? Um, I'm talking on um, the construction and development of the control panel in Expression Engine for clients. Oh, cool. Um, and focusing on on that, and um, you know what? I can't remember what the other subject is. But I'm talking about ah oh, multilingual. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, that's a tough I'm, one. Talking about uh, multilingual and, and not so much the implementation of multilingual websites, but I'm talking about you know, how, kind of how to approach them and, and, and things to look out for and hidden gotchas and, and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. That sounds pretty good.
0: Well, I look forward to seeing you. Thanks again for the time.
1: No worries. Thanks, Mitchell. Right. Thanks, Carl. Cheers.